Good afternoon and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast on this wonderful July 4th in the United States. For those of you that celebrate, happy 4th. And if you are Canadian, happy belated Canada Day, which I believe was earlier this week for y'all. I hope your holidays have been restful and spent with family and whatnot, getting caught up and and kind of just taking a breather, you know? It's kind of been a a bit of a crazy past few months, I think, for everyone. So welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Lee. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate y'all stopping by. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and has all the protein punch you require before your pre-workout so you can take the day head on. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at a couple of new developments around the NHL and sports in general to kind of get a sense of what exactly is happening because I think a lot of the major North American and international sports are all seeing some pretty surprising shifts and there have been even some uh, champions crowned over the past couple of weeks. Can you imagine somebody actually clinching a season after it just relaunched? Well, that actually has happened in the Premier League, at least, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Starting off first, I thought I would touch on the NHL relaunch plan, which currently has decided to make Toronto and Edmonton two of the hub cities. Either of those cities, I think, is a much better idea than going to Vegas, because I I think if you go to Vegas, you're looking at a pretty serious situation where um, Nevada has had a recent spike in covid And it's also a very big place for temptation. If you throw a lot of well-to-do 20s and 30-something NHLers plus team staff and their families into basically the playground that is Vegas, I think that you're going to see quite a few guys coming back with positive tests. While it would be great to, you know, be able to put your trust in your fellow man and, and hope that they make all the right decisions, unfortunately, I think we know that, generally speaking, NHLers have had some behavioral issues and they don't always make the best choices. Just a day or two ago, there was a big Twitter firestorm over, um, I think it was uh, Jake Vertanen going to this nightclub with, I don't know if a couple of other Vancouver players were there or not, but basically they had a small video of them hanging out at this bar. Now, here's the thing, they weren't wearing masks or anything, and supposedly this bar is pretty, pretty tightly controlled. They had a pretty rigorous process for letting them in, and, you know, Vancouver and British Columbia in general have seemingly handled the whole COVID crisis pretty well. I think it's kind of also important to suggest that um, Vertanen wasn't breaking any rules. I mean, absolutely, it's his right to do as he pleases, as long as they're within certain protocols. What I think I kind of took issue with was not necessarily Vertanen's actions specifically, but thinking in the broader picture, guys like Vertanen and the rest of the NHL are going to do the same thing but they're not going to think about the fact that the places they're going may not be as tightly controlled and may be harbingers of a COVID outbreak. A lot of these guys have been living life as if things are fairly normal, and I think that for the average ordinary person, yeah, you know, we may not be personally impacted by COVID in the way that a lot of other victims are, but I I think it would be also naive to assume that we can just live our lives the same way and do the same things as we're used to doing. What the whole Vertanen situation showed, in my opinion, was that I I think you have to be really careful and very much stress what your rules for ensuring you can actually get to, I think, is it phase three that has the NHL Hub City bubble going into effect? The bubble may be effective for isolating all the players inside a territory that the NHL feels it has under control to ensure that there are no access routes of COVID. But here's the thing, if guys come into the bubble with COVID or have recently gone through it, 
you'd have to imagine that that kind of defeats the point of having a COVID-free bubble to begin with. You know, and, and we actually have a heightened risk with some of these athletes, especially those with pre-existing conditions. And because they have to have their bodies in such peak physical condition, the impacts of COVID may be even more serious and deleterious to their ability to do their jobs. So I, I think I think in this case, Vertanen himself is, is not really the problem. I think we just need to kind of take a look at the broader situation of the behavioral patterns that you see among these young NHLers and get them accustomed to thinking about things in a more responsible manner. Because ultimately, they're not just putting their teammates and themselves at risk, but ultimately anyone else that they come into contact with. And I think that ultimately it's going to be a tight fit to try and get this relaunch plan going because, you know, we've already seen in Florida the infections are going crazy, and Tampa Bay has already been hit by it before. There's no saying that the Florida Panthers also don't have COVID cases, and around the league we've seen other teams deal with similar situations. Probably not uh, in the same time frame as what the Tampa Bay Lightning have had to deal with, because theirs is much more recent. But, you know, Colorado and Ottawa had COVID outbreaks, and I would imagine that there have been more teams, we just haven't heard about them yet. That all still leads me to feel very skeptical about this whole relaunch plan. And I, I just don't really know how exactly the NHL is, is planning to get from, you know, having guys start training camps again to entering their bubble of isolation in their respective hub cities. Now, the way this plan will work is um, each of the two hub cities on the opposite ends of the coast are going to be uh, for different regions. So if you're in like the Pacific Division, you're probably going through Edmonton. You know, likewise, the Metro Division and most of the Eastern based teams are going to be going to Toronto. I assume the Jets would go to Edmonton because I believe that's uh, significantly closer than trying to travel out towards uh, Toronto on the other side of the, the country. Um, and I, I tend to think that this is, I, I think that they picked two good locations. I know that Winnipeg was also running to be, I believe, a hub city as well. And actually, Winnipeg, I think, would have made a lot of sense. Manitoba, generally speaking, hasn't had serious issues. And to be honest, there's just not as many locations where guys are going to be going to go pick up COVID. I have some reservations about Toronto as a hub city, uh, just because I don't know that Ontario has handled the crisis nearly as well as it could have. From what I understand, they've been doing all right. I mean, look, as an American, everyone else is doing the COVID crisis better than we are, let's just be honest. But relative to the rest of Canada, I I'm sure that there are certain folks who will be concerned about it. But hopefully things go uh, according to plan and that there aren't any issues the NHL just kind of threw this plan together, and I tend to feel like it shows a lot. I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of forethought into how you're supposed to get to this isolation bubble stage, because let's be honest, I think we're going to see increasing numbers of NHLers testing positive, or guys that may not even know they have it, and, and maybe they spread it to teammates, um, to family members, to friends, and to, to coaching staffs. This road to relaunch is going to be pretty bumpy, and hopefully they kind of get things figured out sooner rather than later, because... The deeper we go into this whole relaunch period, I think you're going to see increasing issues as we go along. There's a lot that needs to change, and that goes for everything outside of hockey as well. Speaking of change, the Locked On Podcast Network also wanted to let you know that it stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, as the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for positive change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. Again, that is LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. I'd also like to give a shout out to this podcast episode's title sponsor at Built Bar. 
The fine folks at Built Bar have crafted a wonderful, tasty, nutritious, and healthy alternative to your usual boring, dry protein bar. Built Bars are soft, chewy, dark chocolate-coated candy bars that also happen to have your protein punch that you're looking for. They come in well over two dozen flavors, including eight nut-free if you have nut allergens. Built Bars taste great and are great for you. Many of them come in at under 170 calories with around 6 grams of fat and 30% of your daily protein intake. Whether you need a pre-gym pick-me-up, a quick snack, or something like a meal replacement, Built Bars are there for you when you need them. Right now, you can enjoy a cheeky $10 off your first order with promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com. Again, that is promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com. If you're struggling to pick a flavor, be sure to check out their sample variety box, which has everything that you could possibly want to try from their entire line of products. While the NHL is still continuing to sort out its own contingency plans for a restart, there are quite a few other sports leagues out there that have been working on similar things and trying to do the same kind of process. And what it turns out is we're actually looking at a a recent restart to the MLB season. As of this week, it appears that training camps are underway. And I think today, actually, if if everything goes well, um, some team practices are going to start taking place in some of the stadiums around the U.S. There have been some intriguing changes that have come out of the the whole restart to the MLB. And the first thing is that instead of like a 162-game season or so, it's going to be about 60 games. The MLB is also reducing the roster, I believe the active roster size, to around 28 or so players. And the National League is actually going to have designated hitters in place of the batting pitchers which they usually use. I actually find this rule change especially interesting because it's something that I think a lot of National League fans have been asking for for a more sustained period of time, like an actual regular non-shortened season. Honestly, my thought about pitchers batting is that it's usually kind of silly, and there are very few players who can actually do it well. Shohei Otani is one of the few that is supposed to be pretty versatile in both batting and pitching for a variety of reasons, mostly the fact that he's like a wonder talent, but for the most part, pitchers don't really hit very well. And you kind of wonder why the National League had it to begin with, because I think there's ample evidence to suggest that pitching is pretty taxing on your arms, and if you had to add yet another motion of a physical exertion that involves like swinging a bat, for instance, you know, would that actually increase the impacts of long-term muscular damage or strain on those pitching arms? I don't know. I really can't say. And I'm sure that there are many studies on this kind of thing. But I think the designated hitter position, for my take, is just more fun because you actually get more offensive pop from that position rather than having a pitcher try to bat. The league is also going to change a couple of other things. Like, there there will be a few exhibition games that you can play upwards of three against a couple of different kinds of opponents. And aside from that, it's just going to be a, a regular start to the season. So I think what you'll see is um, ESPN thinks that there will be stuff like tandem starting pitchers at first and more of a reliance on the bullpen, which I think makes a lot of sense because, let's be honest, most guys take quite a few weeks to get really warmed up to their pitching standards and get a feel for the ball. It's hard to ask guys who haven't really been playing and training very much to suddenly go back to doing all of that and be, you know, full game fit by the start of the season, which I think is coming within the next few weeks. As an Orioles fan, baseball restarting is kind of irrelevant to me (laughs) for a variety of reasons. I think you can guess most of them involving the quality of the roster, but aside from that, I think most people are just looking forward to baseball coming back because, of course, there was a, a pretty massive labor dispute between the Players Association and the league administration, which I think wanted to depress some of the salary wages and stuff and pay guys at cut rate, which was uh, not really taken well by any of the players or the Players Association. 
for a while there, it actually looked like there wasn't going to be an MLB season, period. So it's surprising that they were able to come to an agreement for a 60-game season and roll with that rather than just postponing it till next year. The most interesting thing that came out of this, and something that I think actually has significant importance for a league like the NHL, is that the MLB has uh, you know, added in a bunch of opt-out clauses for players who don't want to go through the 60-game season and who really physically can't afford to for one reason or another, oftentimes dealing with family with pre-existing conditions or, you know, um, pre-existing conditions themselves. Uh, Any sort of reason that these guys want to sit out and not jeopardize their own health, I think they've been allowed to do that. This naturally does forfeit pay, but I I think in this case, most people are understanding of the fact that, let's be honest, COVID is a little more dangerous than trying to collect your paycheck. This, to me, seems like something that I I don't think will happen that much in the NHL, but I would not be surprised if it does, because, to be honest, I think that the NHL has a a very big cone of silence around guys speaking out, but already we've seen players like Steven Stamkos kind of unhappy with the fact that the plan is, is coming to fruition, but there really doesn't seem to be great coordination or cohesion in what the NHL's vision for a return to play looks like. In the background of all of this, COVID is spiking in several states and a number of teams have already dealt with outbreaks, and so I'm sure that a lot of the players are probably thinking, you know, is this really worth going through all of this? Uh, Obviously, the league is doing its best in some respects to try and plan something, but I I look at the plan and I feel like it is woefully insufficient, at least on the face of it. I could be entirely off base, and maybe the -the behind-the-scenes stuff is a lot more sophisticated and well-planned out than what they're telling us, but... Generally speaking, I don't think that that has ever been uh, something that the NHL is known for. Sometimes I think you just have to call a spade a spade and recognize that maybe the league is not entirely well prepared and equipped to do this, especially on short notice. I mean, the fact that we're this deep into July already and they were still deciding on NHL hub cities is kind of scary to me. In my personal opinion, I kind of think you need to have these sorts of plans locked down in place before you make a decision, so that way you have time to take a look at what's going on and figure out whether or not maybe a hub city that you've chosen is actually having a long-term trend of, of healthy situations and a low COVID infection rate. That Vegas was a finalist in the running all the way up until the end also kind of worries me because it makes me feel like the league is looking at certain factors throughout this whole process and not really accounting for the ones that are going to make the most impact. All in all, I just feel really uneasy about all of this, and I feel like nothing the league has done has made me feel any less uneasy about it, and I, I don't like that because I feel like we're, we're seeing situations where guys are going to be put at risk needlessly, and I, I think that they should allow these players to opt out if they don't want to play. Let's be honest, I think that most guys are going to still opt in anyways, so it's not like the league is going to have a shortage of players to you know put on an on-ice product. But I I do have concerns about whether or not the league is actually taking the necessary precautions and steps to ensure that they're safe and that we don't have any guys whose careers are prematurely ended because they got infected by COVID. We're still weeks away at this point from a restart, so, you know, maybe what I'm saying is a little bit overblown, but I I just don't really feel right about this whole plan. And as of yet, the NHL is still to convince me that they really have a good handle on this situation and that they know what they're doing. I mean, none of us knows what's going on, to be honest. This is entirely uncharted territory, so I get it from that perspective, but there's still a lot of work to be done, and hopefully the NHL gets it figured out sooner rather than later. Much like the NHL, we've all had to get a little bit creative with how we take care of our normal day-to-day tasks, especially during quarantine. What do you do, though, if your car breaks down and you need replacement parts and don't know where to go? You could stand in line at a retail brick-and-mortar auto parts shop, but how are you going to know which parts you need? 
Do you have your make, model, and year on your car ready to go? Are you willing to stand in line for a cash register and hope that the part's in stock? If you're wondering if there's a better way to do it, then I've got great news for you. RockAuto.com has an incredibly intuitive, easy-to-use site that lets you filter by the type of your car, make, year, model, and price range so you can filter out exactly the kinds of parts and prices you want to pay. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Whether you're a dedicated gearhead, an auto parts shop owner, a homegrown DIY mechanic, or a budding amateur with no experience in automotive repair, RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everyone. You could save up to 30-50% to off retail in-store prices on everything from engine control modules to new floor mats for when you spill barbecue sauce on the floor. No matter what you're looking for, RockAuto.com has your back. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. In additional sports news from around the world, it appears that Liverpool have clinched the Premier League title for like the first time in what, like 30 or 40 years? Liverpool haven't won much in the way of titles until the past couple of seasons under Jurgen Klopp's direction. Last year they won Champions League, which was of course a very big deal, very proud moment for the team, and certainly winning Champions League is is one of the hardest accomplishments to come across because Champions League is kind of like winning the Stanley Cup, except if you played teams from around the world, and all of those teams were as wealthy as you were, especially as you start getting deeper into the competition and enter the final stages. Winning the Premier League, though, has long been Liverpool's ambition, so it's kind of neat to see them finally come across the domestic success that they've been pushing so hard for, especially as Manchester City starts to age out and kind of look like it's fragmenting a bit. This past week, they just sold Leroy Sané for about 50 million euros over to Bayern for five years. Leroy's value has probably tanked quite a bit since he's coming off of an ACL injury, and uh, you know certainly in this COVID-19 market, it's it's been a little bit strange. I think that transfers in general are going to look something in the depressed value range just because I, I think a lot of teams are struggling financially. Um, FC Schalke of the Bundesliga had to get a bailout from the government and then cut player and staff salaries by a significant margin to the point where I don't who know who they're actually going to be paying. It's going to be more like a a Bundesliga second-tier team just because I don't think that they can really afford many high-end top-tier German players. So they're going to be looking at pretty tough times. And like even Borussia Dortmund said that they are anticipating losing, I don't know, like $45 million. Now, it's not like Borussia Dortmund can't handle a loss like this. The team is pretty well situated to handle financial impacts. But the rest of the league, unlike the Premier League, makes a lot less money. So, you know, teams that are in the smaller end and, and squads in, in both Ligue which is the French league, and Serie A, which is the Italian league, I think all of these small teams are really going to have issues going forward because of how much revenue they've lost. Bundesliga in particular relies on stuff like TV deal money, so to have a lot of that lost was probably why they were one of the first leagues to relaunch. They desperately needed revenue and and quickly because a lot of their smaller clubs were either operating in the red already or, or kind of teetering on the edge, and COVID basically just sank them. Going forward, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the league kind of handles these situations because I think that you're kind of seeing a lot of major sports teams out there struggling financially in light of COVID. The NHL is certainly one of those leagues, and I feel like this whole push to relaunch is entirely driven by the fact that their revenue shares right now are looking pretty bad. 
I don't know what their revenue looks like in comparison to something like Bundesliga, which I, I would tend to think Bundesliga is probably bigger, technically speaking, but I can't be sure. I don't know what the financial investments and, and revenue stream looks like, especially in relation to the NHL, which tends to have an okay amount of money, if not a gigantic amount of money. These next few weeks are going to be critical for a lot of sports leagues, and I think, you know, generally speaking, the NHL is in a position where they're they're definitely in some degree of trouble, but I think they can afford to ride it out. And if they need to cancel the rest of the season, hopefully it's not going to sink everyone. We all want hockey to return, but it needs to be done in the right way and to make sure it's as safe for everyone as humanly possible. The last thing we need is to see a COVID outbreak take out a bunch of players and put people in harm's way. I, I, I certainly can't be um, feeling conscionable watching that and, and knowing that this is happening, especially with how much COVID really seems to impact even those who have recovered uh, steadily. I hope you folks enjoyed this 4th of July episode. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for further updates and some more content this coming weekend. I might do, like, biggest villains in the NHL right now. Hopefully we'll we'll find some players to all uh, love to hate together. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.